It's Monday, August 1st. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. There's going to be some football at the end of this week. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. And on Friday, August 5th, Notre Dame will open preseason camp 2022. Can stop speculating. Well, we'll continue to speculate, but it'll be, uh, it'll be a lot better being able to see a little bit of football, see the coaches in action. And um, looking forward to what will be an extremely exciting 2022 season for Notre Dame because we don't know what to expect with a new head coach, a, a, a pretty difficult slate and a good football team to play against that, uh, that group. I want to start segment one here with um, Notre Dame's video. I think we were all a little bit surprised when we saw the hangover video that, uh, that, that uh, Marcus Freeman and his players and the Golics recorded just your guys thoughts on uh, Notre Dame's artistry. The production value, I thought, was incredibly high for Very that. Good. Yeah. Um, as it has been, like, you know, they did those commitment videos uh, where, like, yeah, you yeah. Know, the, we got them things like the production value on that is incredibly high. They have some they have some really talented people uh, in that department fighting Irish media over there. So it's I it wasn't only the production value. I thought I was like, wow, they they spent a lot of money on this, like. It, it's not free to go to Vegas to do that do, kind of thing. Right. Um, so did they have a re- they that. didn't have another reason to go to Vegas? For- yeah, exactly. They couldn't find maybe maybe they just like you know what we'll go out we're gonna bet it all on green double zero and then we'll fund the video that way because you always win when you bet green double zero. So uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. The only thing it was missing was a real baby. <laughs> yeah, was, my favorite part was Mayor falling down and Golik Jr. <laughs> saying, "I thought he did a great." I thought Golik Jr. delivered that line perfectly, man. That was, was really well done. Was Mayor into it all or what, man? Oh yeah, that he was. was he was fully invested. I thought Foskey, uh, after the first awkward line, shined the rest of the way through, though, in terms of their his acting acting chops. The first one was terrible, and he's like, "Come on, coach!" <laughs> but then he, but then I really liked it. It was good, and they got the right guys to do it too. Uh, the jumping up and down were the best three friends was really funny, and uh, that was that was well done. I was wondering how far they were going to go with that top of the roof scene. They could have gone a little bit farther with some of the dialogue, but it's a good thing they didn't. Yeah, the. Um... I don't normally comment on uniforms. I like them. I think it's creative. I think it's simple, but creative. Your thoughts on the the uniforms? I saw Mike Farrell from from a uh, a, a competitor. I think offered a thumbs down on Notre Dame's. Uh, I like uniforms. the white ones. I, I like them when they played Arizona State. I like them when they played at Michigan in. I yeah. can't remember if it was eleven. Yeah, it must have been eleven. It was eleven. Yeah. Um, I, I think see Gary Gray. For alternative uniforms, those have been my three favorite ones. They've all been white. So I, you know, this one is high list. And, you know, I, I didn't need, I didn't need more like Vegas. I didn't need like uh, the suits of the cards on there, like, you know, to go uh, Yankees pinstripe style to really like, you know, drive home the point of where you are. So it was, it was clean I love I and lo- straightforward. <laughs> I like the white. I love how they, you know, they're, they're real careful to point out like the nuances of it, which 99.9999% right. of the people have no idea or w- will yeah. not recognize it or have any idea about this, it. But this a lot of represents go- an 1842 yes. candle. I, I, yeah, it's I, not- I, I mean, I, I, I think that's good stuff, but I'm not sure that it's uh, going to resonate <laughs> a whole lot with the fans that are watching the game. I, I have two thoughts on the uniform as I do every August. I like this one and I don't care. 
Well, that's that's generally kind of how I feel. I have the I have a couple of the uh, I have three of the the mini helmets from from Shamrock series games. I have to Those tell you, really, the only three that I like and. I so think I, I did not like the pinstripe one when I saw it. And in retrospect, that has grown on me. I kind of liked yeah, I, that, I liked, I thought it looked cool. Now it I looked really like really that weird one. when they showed it to us the first time. You guys, like, are I really like this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay. Your taste. It's like you, my taste buds are better than your taste. buds. Yeah. <laughs> this taste. It was, I will agree. Doesn't. It was better in during the game than it was on a mannequin, but it was just less like worse. It. It was oh, very I bad it. on the mannequin. I, I will give you that. The mannequin. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I get offended when I see people wearing it around the stadium <laughs> as if like that's a memento you should have. Okay, on to more important things. Keon Keeley, Peyton Bowen uh, made visits elsewhere this uh, this weekend. It's concerning. There's no other way to look at that. What are your thoughts uh, on Keeley sticking with Notre Dame and Peyton Bowen sticking with Notre Dame? Uh, I think that Keeley is much much more important to stick i think that keely is more likely to stick but i would agree that the concern level is quite high for both agree with everything you said um i would say keely is much more likely to stick in the end um but way more important i think we touched on this the last time we did a podcast um, we're talking about Notre Dame maybe going 11 and one and we named DJ Brown, Ramon Henderson, Houston Griffith, Xavier Watts as the safeties. It's pretty important to have that defensive line intact. And Keon Keeley is the difference maker for that. Not that Notre Dame doesn't need to recruit better safeties. It's awesome that they got Peyton Bowen and had been recruiting better safeties. If you've seen some of Kevin Sinclair's rundowns on safety recruiting of Brian Kelly's era and mine and Monday musings, but I don't think you can compare the two in terms of importance. Yeah, I don't like to put it in those terms. I know what you guys are saying. I agree. I mean, Keeley is it's an edge rusher. I mean, it's an edge rusher. It's a great edge rusher, and that is a priority every time. But you know, Keeley's decision and Bowen's decision, they have nothing to do with one no, another. They, that's so that's what that's why I don't like to put it in those terms. But I do think that their chances are best with Keeley. But I mean, this one, this one would, would really, really hurt. Bone would hurt that Keeley would really, really hurt. You don't have a, a plug-in solution to that in the class, especially at this point, you know, and I try to, I know people get upset about, you know, the kid's been committed all this time and you should have given them warning. If, if you're Keon Keeley, or let's say Keon Keeley's your son, 17 years old, 18 years old. And he says, man, I really want to go there instead of here. What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's really, it's very difficult for me to like have anger towards a, a young kid that makes no, that you decision. Shouldn't have anger towards it. Yeah. Uh, no, you shouldn't, but you know, I, I think, I think there's a good chance Keeley sticks. Uh, there are a thousand people that know better than I do with that comment, but I think we're obviously we're all in agreement that, you know, he was both feet in with Notre Dame. I still think that he still wants Notre Dame. We don't know what happened this weekend, but um, that'd be a tough loss for Notre Dame. Dylan Edwards verbally decommitted or decommitted from uh, Kansas State. What a traitor. Can't believe anybody would leave their school and go <laughs> Just to the loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Audric Estime. I mean, you, there, you, there's so many that you can mention, but we don't look at it. Nordic fans don't look at the same way when the shoe's on the other foot, but Dylan Edwards 
is really fast, guys. Yeah, I I was uh, texting with Kevin Sinclair about this, and you know, it's like I sort of view it like I hesitate to say like boomer bust, but like I think he could be very impactful, or he or he could just be like, wow, it's a small running back, um, small slot receiver. So it's like I think it's a, somebody that you take ten times out of ten because right. you can't yeah. coach speed. Um, but uh, I don't know how, how many five eight uh, impactful players there are at college. Like there are some for sure. Well, one of them played at Kansas State, but um, you know that's like I, I, that's like a you got to be creative in how you use them to maximize that uh, potential if and when he flips or commits to Notre Dame. Yeah, I agree with you. It's <clears throat> excuse me. He he makes so much sense to bring aboard, but it's not like you get Dylan Edwards and then you're set at running back for four years, but it's, it's, it's exactly what you want in your offense though. You want to, you want to add that to your yeah. offense. Yeah. No, you want three running backs and right. you already have Jaden Lamar. Uh, but you're, you know, you're going to have to pair Lamar and Edwards with somebody like Jeremiah love. And that's, that's not going to be easy. Pete, I don't know what the latest you've heard on Jeremiah love, but I mean, that's not going to be easy. No, it's uh, I think that the, the kid is, it's a rare instance that I think the kid is more inclined to commit yeah, to Notre no. Dame than, than maybe the family or the dad. So, uh, I mean, I, I think we talked about this with Dante Moore. It's like when you're getting into recruiting fights with Oregon or Texas A&M, Miami, you better know what you're in for there. And yeah. that's, that's what they're in with Jeremiah Love. It's just <laughs> A&M instead of Oregon in this case. And it does feel like those are the three right now. I'm sure there's another one we don't know about, but it does feel like those are the three where you're just, it's a different kind of fight. Yeah. And if you get now, if you get those three, then, oh, then God. it's a real, yeah. then it's a, then it's a strength of the class, I think, but, but you have to have a Jeremiah love type talent at the, at the head of that list to, to, to say that now um, quarterback situation, Nordame appears to be on the outside looking in now for Austin Novasad. Kenny Minchie is verbally committed to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has 17 verbal commits. Kenny Minchie is the highest rated one there, the quarterback out of Tennessee. Um, I said that Pat Narduzzi's head would explode <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if Kenny Minchie decommitted from Pittsburgh and joined uh, Notre Dame, because we know, we know his reaction to, uh, to Jordan Addison leaving Pittsburgh. Hey, just, it's a real shame. He just put it back together after Jordan Addison. Left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, on, on Narduzzi, cause he's our second favorite topic behind bad defensive coordinators from the uh, Carolinas. Um, I was asked the, I, I filled out one foot downs uh, survey on the season. And one of the questions was if you care to answer which opposing head coach will lose his mind after losing to Notre Dame. And I put in Pat Narduzzi even though they don't play him. Because I think at some point this year, he's going to lose his mind over Notre Dame. So I think that's going to count if I get that right. Um, I like I like Minji. I think, I'm not going to say who I like him better than, but I think Tim and I talked about it right before this podcast. It looks so, there's like an ease of motion and effortlessness that I'm intrigued by. Um, and I like the fact that they have CJ Carr in 2024, to be honest. I think it would be fine. Like if you... I, I realized Nova said was sort of like the bigger name coming out of yeah. Elite Eleven, but Minchie did well out there too. Right. I I I feel like either of the two is fine. Um, I realize I, like the process feels a little bit backward, but well, that's why I made the car point. That's why I think either of the two is fine. Yeah, you know, but if you get the end result. 
it's a, yeah. uh, you're fine. You're good. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Um, you know, I mean, I like Mitchie is, I mean, he is pro style. He, he, yeah. Yeah, he, he he's mobile. He, he can run, but he really does not want to. He wants to drop back and throw it. And Tim, you're, you're right. I mean, the ball comes off his hand so easily. The throwing motion is, comes, is, is so easy. And I, I, you know, I think he's a guy that I, I use this sometimes. He, he's got a long arm, but I don't know how strong it is. You know, he can throw the ball deep. Uh, but I don't know that we see a lot of video out there where he's just rifling the football. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I like him. I mean, I think if you can, at this stage of the process, if you can turn the number 317 composite prospect on 24 7 sports, uh, that would be a hell of a catch. Um, I really like the way. You know, when he gets flushed to his right, he throws the ball effectively, accurately. He's got a great touch. You'd love to be a receiver catching a football from from Kenny Minchie. Yeah. Uh, very, very catchable ball. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, to wrap up segment one on Friday, I was at Penn High School when Notre Dame received a verbal commitment from you talk about you guys are talking about small. Um <laughs> In, in relation to Dylan Edwards, Marcus Burton's a point guard from local Penn high school. He verbally committed to Notre Dame over. <laughs> I mean, really like Miami of Ohio ball state, the offers did not c- come flowing for him. And a lot of it has to do with his size, but he can play average 27, a game last yeah. year in, you know, I mean, are there better high school basketball conferences in the country? Yeah. But there's usually quite a bit of talent in the NIC, which is sure why Mike is. Bray continues to mine that that conference. I uh, yeah, it's I was surprised at the speed in which it went from oh, there's an offer that I like that offer that's intriguing, and all of a sudden he was committed to Notre Dame. But um, yeah, it, it's kind of like the it's it's a take for me again, and it's a take for me because he can score and he's quick. I well, mean, yeah, that's, what's, we're, the, we're not, what's the worst thing? I, I, I don't understand the reaction to yeah. it. I mean, what's the worst thing? Mike Bray's not going to fill up the roster with, with scholarship players. And yeah, what's yeah, the exactly. worst that's, thing? Triple taken that. If you there's, look at it that way. There's, there's nothing, there's no downside to this. I mean, other than he doesn't develop, but players don't develop every year. I mean, I, I, a guy, a, a kid like that, again, speed, you're talking about speed infusion of speed and quickness. Will he have difficulty defending? Yeah, probably. Cause he's only, you know, he's five foot, nothing, a hundred, nothing, but right. he can play basketball. And I don't have, I don't have a, I don't know that there was a great urgency to make it happen, but Mike Bray wanted to make it happen. Yeah, He yeah. had lunch with, with Marcus Burton and it was over and they announced it on Friday. It's, I mean, the, the Bray local recruiting thing is, you know, he's, he's not afraid to stick his neck out there for a lower rated prospect who's local. Um, so it <clears throat> seems like kind of a classic Bray take in a lot of ways, but yeah, I mean, his video is very quick. Seems like I have a good handle gets to the basket. Like could just kind of like a, I don't know, like a rec league style game. I don't know. Um, you know, just well, does a lot a, of different things. Well, he, I, I mean, I would call him a shoot first point guard right now. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you average 27, you're shooting. And a lot of times he gets in the lane and when in doubt he shoots, but he also creates, even at his yeah. size, he has the ability to create space. Now that won't, that space won't be as big in the ACC, <laughs> but he does have that ability 
to when it's time to make a decision to shoot or pass, he creates space for himself to shoot. He does, and they often don't. Like, just because Wesley could do it and Starling can do it, they often don't have the guy that can create space at point guard. And you can, on one hand in 22 years, name the five point guards that were really good on defense for Notre Dame, too. Right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not sure. When when they go against Trevor Keels from Duke, who's 6'4", 220 as a freshman, the guards aren't going to do well. It doesn't matter if he's fast or or if he's a dang good one. So it's okay. This is, it's, it's. I, they are shopping down a different aisle, man. He's not going to keep. He's not going to get every JJ Starling out there. So I don't. I don't mind to take it all. Now there and and look, it's just the start to their class. There are some right. other guys right. that are that are out there. R.J. Jones, T.J. Power, who I've loved since I saw him sometime last year. Uh, that right now that I put out a master list on Friday, it's not a real long master list, so they may have to add to it at some point, but. If they were to get TJ Power and RJ Jones, I really love them. El Marco Jackson. I don't know if you've seen him, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think I don't think they're going to get him. And then if you put Burton as the third guy there, the plan is get three recruits and get two two transfers at the end of the season. I love it. Is are they not? Uh, I haven't really followed this detail. Are they not involved with Aiden Holloway from Lalu anymore? They they were, but Aiden Holloway disappeared from Lalu. No. He's gone. He's oh, playing well, in, in that case. Yeah. I mean, he, he left Lalamere and did not tell anybody at Lalamere he, he was leaving. So it doesn't bode well for Notre Dame. Tells you, well, yeah, yeah. That, no. no. that kind of tells you a little bit about the communication there. And so Holloway is out now. I think Bray's feeling on that is that, you know, we got one stud from there. <laughs> Two, two might be asking for a little much. And Holloway, just a, he, he left Lalamere. So um, he's not in play. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Segment two, Burning Up the Boards, is sponsored by Circa Sports. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rake. Circa Sports million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. Play Circa Survivor and select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com. For details, segment two here, burning up the boards. We start with a question from T. Karras, who is not full go out of the returning veterans when practice starts this weekend. I just went over this on the weekend, so I have the guarantees. Then we have one question mark. Joe Wilkins, Liz Frank surgery. Mitchell Evans with uh, summertime fifth metatarsal surgery. Logan Diggs, shoulder. We assume Joey Tonona um, in the post-concussion situation. And um, obviously, Jadarian Price, that's the offense. And then defense, it's only Aiden K and then uh, ACL from April, I believe. And our question mark is Avery Davis. What did you say about Diggs? Diggs is not full go for the beginning of camp. Shoulder. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. yeah, but he will. But he will, is expected back within a month. He'd but... be the first guy expected back of those of that Wilkins, Evans, Diggs. Yeah, list. Yeah, Davis, we just, it was kind of, 
I mean, he seemed like heart- he'd be ready, but it just wasn't ready. We talked on yeah. June 27th. He wasn't that ready. That was Santa June, yeah. It's yeah, August no 5th. Doubt. Patterson's fine. Shrouth is fine. Jason Adamalola, we presume, is, he is, is fine, fine as yeah. well. So yeah. Cam Hart back. Yep. Cam Hart is back, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, uh, Eli Raritan has been cleared for full participation uh, as well. Question oh, from G. Really, Tim, sorry to interrupt. Really, the That's only right. guy, the only guy that, if Davis isn't ready August 5th, he's the only guy that could be ready August 25th of all those guys we mentioned too, for the guys that are out. The rest of the guys yeah, are out yeah. for a while. Right. Question from GR Irish fan 22. Do you expect the coaches to give Drew Pine a legitimate chance to earn his starting quarterback spot in camp and get an equal number of reps as Buckner? Or is it already a foregone conclusion that it's Buckner's job and thus he will get a majority of the reps? figure it's like last year, Pete, do you, uh, Jack Cohen and Drew Pine battled it out for five practices and, uh, Brian Kelly said, Oh no, we know who our starter is. And then, but they, they, they got, you know, those first five practices, you should take a look. That's why you have two quarter, three quarterbacks. That's what it's for. Yeah. I, I could see, uh, Freeman being cagey is the wrong word, but like less forthright than Kelly was about it last yeah. year. Like maybe almost you're like, hey, we're having this ongoing competition, even though Tyler Buckner is getting the first team reps every day. Um, competition, competition type yeah, of that. He'll keep saying, you that. know, foregone yeah. conclusion might be a little strong, but Buckner's the guy. Yeah. Buckner's the guy they want to go with. Yeah. Buckner has I mean, the higher upside. Their head coaches all across the country, they're dealing with a similar scenario. You don't want to, you certainly don't declare it in the spring. And within, and certainly the first seven days, probably the, yeah. the reps are equal, maybe even 10 days. Um, but the writing's on the wall. I mean, I, I, the, the Drew Pine is the perfect guy oh. in relief, yes. right? It's his role. At Notre, it's a I mean, good role for him at Notre Dame. Yeah, he just is. Yeah. And it, it doesn't. And one of the reasons is because he's not leaving. Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. a thing now. Drew Pine's not going anywhere. Right. It's it. He'll grad, he'll graduate and go somewhere because he yeah, can even yeah. play somewhere. But yeah, no, it's it's piece of this year. Have there. Right. Yeah. Next no. from go ahead, Tim. Next from Frank, 1957. Do you feel confident that the wide receivers will be a strength or just average? I would have a difficult time using the third the word option. Strength. You need a third <laughs> option. <laughs> I would I, I yeah, I'd have a difficult time using the word strength. However, I mean it, you know, if if the following players are healthy. Lindsey Styles, Davis, Merriweather. I mean, you've got the you you have the foundation of a, a pretty decent receiving core, and then Thomas and Colsey fit in after that. I wouldn't say his strength. Uh, it's more likely to be considered just average than a strength. Would you agree with that? I think they could improve to just average, and I think that the staff would be like, all right. We'll we'll take that as a development year for the position, especially with Styles, Colsey, Thomas, and Merriweather, and move forward. But uh, a, a strength of the team is not. I don't think that's in the cards this year. Good news is the uh, best receiver on the team is the best tight end of the country, so that helps out too. Yep. Yeah, and Tyree catches the ball well. You know, it doesn't. You just don't. You don't have to just look at the wide receiver core, and they've got to be. Tommy Reese has got to be creative with his running backs and he and he he is he will be he showed that he he does that you have mentioned i don't want to harp on this but you mentioned the receivers tim mm-hmm. that's all of them there's there's no surprise receiver coming along they have six scholarship receivers right now one of them we're not sure about starting the season although he probably will every davis we should not like we don't have any new information on every davis i i assume he'll be able to start the season 
Yeah. And you know, the reality is if you had 10 bodies, the last four probably wouldn't play. Probably not, but they would get to play all of practice and all of the season no when doubt. they're repping. Like that's no doubt the big about deal. No, no doubt about that. Irish B, what white lie will the coaching staff tell us this year? Last year it was, <laughs> this made me laugh. We were pleasantly surprised with Jack Cohn's mobility. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's, that it was, that was an outright. Uh, I, do, I think I do remember Tommy <laughs> Reese saying, you know, he's more mobile than, than you might think. Uh, the reason I put this question after the one from Frank 1957 was that, you know, you can count it a, a, as a white lie when you hear somebody say, we've got enough depth at wide receiver. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Considering the spring, they said they didn't. <laughs> like, we, they, there was honesty at some point where we're talking, like, the defensive backs and defensive back coaches were like, oh, we just don't have enough guys to rep against our defensive backs right now. It hasn't changed. Yeah, there was, oh, there was why, no getting around that. That's why uh, Connor Radigan will get – a he ton will. of reps and Matt Salerno will get a ton of reps and Salerno is a scholar. Really? Yeah. Re, re, you really should consider him in the top. You have to consider him in the top seven. He's a slot receiver. He's in the mix. He can, right. he, he will play. So that's the top seven. Just don't let Ohio state know that. Cause that's going to ruin the whole uh, surprise game plan. That Salerno's in there in the slot. They'll have to, in Ohio, Ohio state, state will have to yep. rip up their game Playbook. plan and, so what, what other white lie do we have? I think Pete's might be right about the, this is competition every day with Tyler Buckner. Um, yeah, that could be <laughs> yeah. one early. Um, trying to think of what else, what else would really fit there? Cause I, I, guess I don't, the, he's been upfront about the kicking game. So yeah. I don't think he's white lie on that one. No, no, not much, not much an upside there. I don't know if there are a lot of other positions where you're trying to like manage expectations public, like outwardly, right. um, you know, for, for like you, Tim mentioned this in the first segment for how many unknowns there are, we sort of like know who the first 22 are going to be at most of the position. Like there's not a, ton they have a lot of, of like starting jobs yeah. up for grabs. Um, so I don't think you're, we're probably not overanalyzing the like, Oh, what did he say about holding stays? Like the uh, or like an Alex Bars, he's the best guard I've coached in 25 years. Brian Kelly from <laughs> yeah six years ago, or whenever that was. So Steve Elmer, 15 year, like 15 year starter, Steve Elmer at tackle. <laughs> Provided he wanted to continue playing football, yeah. which I'm sure Steve Elmer's doing. We should yeah. check in with Steve Elmer. I'm, I'm guessing sure Steve, Steve Elmer made the right choice well. missing that yeah. 2016 he's season going fine. on with his career. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, question from Irish fan 425. How far do you think Marcus Freeman has progressed as a head coach since the bowl game, specifically in-game adjustments and managing the clock? Yeah, probably the coaching games since uh, the bowl game. So I, you know, as much as he studied it and studied it and studied it. And I mean, you guys might have asked him this exact question that I asked him. It's just like, you can prepare for all this stuff when the lights go on it's a little different um you're making a million decisions and also like how many different unique scenarios have we seen in 15 20 years covering notre dame football like yeah. all sorts of weird, every year like you, there, there's oh, yeah. something every year for everything no uh, so brian this kelly is really one of brian kelly's great strengths i mean they're like 30 year i've been doing this for 32 years and we'd be like all right but th this is where this really shows up He's seen every scenario and he would yeah. still botch some of them. Oh yeah. yeah. Brian. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, but Brian Kelly mentioned in his first or second year, and I thought it was a 
intriguing thing. And eventually he stopped talking about it. He had a list of 47 unique scenarios that he had encountered that yeah. he wasn't prepared for in his career coming to Notre Dame. And like that, think about that. So over his first, what, 22 years of coaching, he had encountered 47 scenarios that at the end of the year, he's like, okay, this is how I should have handled that. Or I'm glad I handled it this way. I'm never going to waver from that. You just cannot prepare for that. My question for with Freeman is I wonder what he is going to delegate in these categories, like managing the clock is really hard. Um, is he going to be, does there going to be a plan for managing the clock when I know they have a four minute plan and a two minute plan. That's not when it's hard. It's hard to manage the clock as Pete pointed out two minutes before the first half, when you're rolling and scoring too fast, is there such a thing as scoring too fast? Well, there is against Ohio state. Cause if they get the ball yeah. right back, they're going to score again. So it's, they're tough one. There's tougher ones out there than we have four minutes left, run our four minute offense. It's like, we have 11 minutes left and we have a 10 point lead right. against a great offense. Now, what do we do? I, I would recommend in L golden. I would encourage L golden to be, if I were Marcus Freeman, I would encourage L golden to be in my ear when every fellow was necessary. Yeah. Because he, because you, you get in those situations and you can't think straight. I felt that way having been a baseball guy my whole life coaching a baseball game that 12 people were watching. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good point. Really you know, it's like, I'm a, you know, I know what to do, but wow, I've never, I got to make a decision right now. Multiply that by a billion times. And that's what he's dealing with. And that's, so that's why I would say, you know, I would encourage L you got something to say to me, say it, don't hesitate to suggest it because when you're in that situation, it just might not, Right. Come to mind as you're thinking about all the things that you have to is a, all the moving parts. And you don't have to take the advice, but the advice was given to you. That's that, that is exactly it. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean I'm going to take the advice, but I want to hear it. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's uh, very important for him. Like I asked Freeman specifically about the end of the first half of the Fiesta bowl yeah. when I sat down in the summer and I mean, he, he not he called out Tommy Reese, but like, he said, in the future, Reese knows we got to run the ball in that situation. The sort of end goal with a few minutes left, take some time off the clock. It was it was a game, you know, they scored a touchdown on the possession, I think, two plays later. But, you know, it's just like you're just checking one thing off of a million checklist thing. Uh, so it's, it's, it's tough to have that all under control if you've coached for 32 years, never mind one game. All right, so how long before each of us – Here's a comment or reads a comment about Marcus Freeman being in over his head. Uh, end of the first quarter of Ohio State. Within the first quarter. Definitely the first happen. half. Definitely the first half. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, and it won't be accurate. <laughs> or it will be accurate, but nobody will know because we don't well, know. Yet. I, that's the whole I, point. I, we were told that he was in over his head in the first half against Florida State last year. Oh, yeah. That's right. right? Yeah. yeah. Second so, half, at least. Yeah. Uh, not going to overreact like that. Just think about this. Think about the overreactions that are about to come with Tyler, but with Tyler Buckner. I mean, he's going to throw interceptions. Yes. He's probably, I mean, he's going to throw at least interception, eight interceptions and maybe 12. Sure. He's going to throw because more than Ian Book. He's got to throw more than Ian Book and Jack Cohn. Yes. Because that's, that's what young do. quarterbacks do. But that we're going to hear that one real early and we'll laugh about it and talk about it on a, a podcast again.
Well, Tim, to your point on that, I don't want to belabor this, but when you asked him what do you need to see from your starting quarterback in camp, the first thing he said was protect the football, don't turn the football over, right. which means he's still looking for that. <laughs> very true. Yeah, no, very true. And I think that goes for both quarterbacks. A uh, question from Drew 2000. I understand the optimism around Harry. He stand the offensive line, but even under Harry before there were plenty of times in big games where the offensive line underwhelmed specifically as it relates to run blocking. How do you think Notre Dame's offensive line performs against Ohio state, BYU, Clemson, and USC? I have a quick answer here, and then you guys follow up. I think Notre Dame's offensive line is going to struggle mightily against Clemson in a slugfest because everybody that encounters Clemson's defensive line is going to struggle mightily against that defensive line this year. And the real key is how they do against Ohio State. Because they can they, – they and it's their first game, but they have to be able to win. They have to be able to win that matchup, even though it's a tough one to win. And I would agree. Yeah. And then BYU, I mean, BYU, if you're BYU, was, a, line, BYU you was like, I want to see them physically take it to yes. a mature opponent that you're better than. That right. to me is classic BYU. That's a game where the offensive line really has to deliver. Um, so that I feel like I, I will take away more from BYU than I would Ohio State. And Clemson is just like a different animal entirely. It's, it's yeah, like totally, when people totally. say that the offensive line struggled against Georgia in 17, really? <laughs> tell yeah, tell yeah. me more about this football, this this offensive line struggling against one of the great all-time defenses with Roquan Smith and a game plan where Brandon Wimbush threw it 40 times. Tell me more about how the offensive line struggled run blocking. Yeah, I'm going to use a, a baseball analogy and that great pitching beats great hitting. Great defense beats great offense. Yes. It's, the, it's it, a great defense. If it's a great defensive line against a great offensive line, the great defensive line is going to win a majority of the time. I believe that. I'm with you completely. And I wrote down the games where not only Harry Heastan, but Notre Dame's offensive line struggled in the big games where they, where you needed them not to running the ball. So Clemson 2015 was, is extremely high on this list because they got behind because they couldn't run the ball. And then they, I mean, they threw for a ton of yards and came back and, and almost tied the game. Georgia, of course, Pete mentioned the one where fans have a gripe is the Miami game later that year. Notre Dame's offensive line needed to dominate Miami's defensive line, even though they had a lot of good players on the defensive line. That's the one where you think, all right, our pros need to be better than your pros. And they, they weren't. Um, I thought Ohio State 2015 and the Fiesta Bowl, there's a bunch of pros on Ohio State, a bunch of pros on Notre Dame. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't answer the bell there either. So that's a fair one. Um, and then finally, Tim, like we were talking about the Alabama loss, the, the recent one, you dive into the film and you think, all right, this is the best offense I've ever seen. Let's see if they can get them somewhere. Right. And then you look at Alabama's defensive line and you're like, Oh gosh. All right. Well, Bar their defensive line is better than Notre Dame's best thing, which is their offensive line. So you're out of luck. That's what Clemson is. They have to beat Clemson, not by totally dominating them up front in November. No, agreed. And there's going to be a lot of offensive lines that are struggling against Notre Dame's defensive line. I'm not, yeah. I'm not making excuses for, I'm not trying to make excuses for Ari Eastan, but you can't be great. You can't be dominant every game. Now, Joe Moore, <laughs> Joe Moore and Notre Dame. But generally they were what? the most not, important loss. They were smothered by the best defensive line I've ever seen. True. Right? Right. True. So you're not going to dominate every time out. But Clemson's got a great defensive line. Uh, Ohio, Ohio State has a very, very, very good defensive line. Notre Dame should win the battle up front against BYU. 
And I want to see USC because I mean, the, the roster is so different. Yeah. It's so hard. They, they have 21 transfers. Most of them are skill position guys, but I mean, they're going to be way better on the defensive line. I just think I, I need to see USC play. I don't know what, by the time Nordin plays them, you know, 11 games in, then you'll know. But right now we really don't know exactly what, what they're going to have up front. Matthew J. Bowles asks, what is your August 1 opinion of Nordin's defensive line versus Ohio State's offensive line? I think Nordin has to win the matchup, i.e. pressure Stroud, minimize the running game in order to win that game. Totally agree. I mean, that's like whenever people ask me about the Ohio State game, I say that that is that's the matchup Notre Dame has to dominate and win situationally to have a chance to win the game. If Notre Dame's defensive line is not great in that game, I don't it's hard for me to see the path how Notre Dame wins. Yeah, I think if Notre Dame's defensive line isn't great, maybe the best unit on the field. It's tough if you just consider Ohio State skill positions, but I don't see a way of covering if Nordheim's defensive line isn't great in that game. Um, And then on the flip side, I think, as I said, the offensive line has to win. I don't think they're going to go out and dominate Ohio State's defensive line on the road at night, but they got to win. They got to be able to make it easier on Tyler Buckner, the first time starter. I I can't even say dominate for for that, that situation. I mean, play better than I do think that. I think this, I think Notre Dame's offensive line, against Ohio State's defensive line is better equipped than Ohio State's offensive line against Notre Dame's defensive line. Would I think you so too. agree with that? I, I mean it's not if there's a it's not an overwhelming no it's not difference. I, I, I just I Pete made a good point when he said not only maybe not the word dominate but wins dominate situationally. Ohio State gets to the Notre Dame 35 and has third and four and all of a sudden it's a sack as opposed to conversion you know it's right and it makes them want to it makes them want to go for it on do they go for it on fourth and 11 in no man's land all right well you take your chances if they're going for it on fourth and 11 right that's that's how you got to win this game um i mean ohio state they still they're gonna pile up yards there'll be plenty of yards by ohio state has to be okay with yep yeah you know i i i if there is if there is an advantage, it's what it's what I said there. But man, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how distinct that advantage is. From DL Call 01. Did I get that right? I'm not sure. I, I have no idea. Struggled that's a, that's a with, tough I struggled with I struggled with uh because I don't always give you the exact. I'm trying to uh, help us pronounce it, but that didn't help much. Anyway, he has a good question for this uh very strong Notre Dame team. How many freshmen will play significant minutes? Over under he says is six point five. I don't know exactly the definition of significant minutes, but just spitballing it six and a half. I would say under, I I mean, I would definitely say under because Merriweather, Merriweather and Mickey, I would say under two. Just, I just looked at probably play the most as we look at it right now. I think Raritan has a chance to play a lot. Pain pain now has to get in, in the, in September. Payne's on the list. McPherson's a, certainly a possibility on the list. I think to Alamaca, I don't know. How, you know, he's a third team Mike probably. He probably but, plays significant minutes. If either Bauer or Bertrand gets hurt, then you right. figure he plays significant minutes. Yes. But over six and a half, I think that's a little high. I, yeah, we definitely bet the under on that one. Cause it's, you know, price would have been significant minutes. Yeah. But- Maybe he's replaced yeah. by pain, so it's a wash, like you said. Um, 
but like Merriweather, Mickey, and I could see one of the two tight ends being having significant minutes. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? They have to because they need they don't have enough receivers. So I, Matt, one of the two tight ends is doing it. As we look at it right now, Merriweather far and away is the guy that gets the most reps. Yeah. Even yes. more than Mickey, because it's it's still going to be a bit of a timeshare. Even if Mickey, let's say Mickey emerged in the starting lineup, it would still be a bit of a timeshare there, unless it was, you know, due to injury. Question from uh Dasher Dasher B9. Here we go. See, I don't know how to pronounce it. What would you expect to see with a Tyler Butner led offense that maybe we didn't see with Jack Cohn or even Ian Book at quarterback? I mean, the Jack Cohn differential, we don't even need to discuss. That, that's massive difference. But I think Pete get, well, got into a little bit in the spring when he was talking about it's going to be, you're going to have a lot more pre snap motion where the ball, Buckner has the option to hand it on the jet. He then has a true read option to keep. Or, or give it away to the running back. And then as soon as he keeps it, he has the option to throw it downfield. It's, it's kind of what it's, it's why I think they quote unquote name or stop looking at Drew Pine as the starter, because you got to go Buckner special in that way that the offense is not the same. If it's Drew Pine, he's just a guy that can keep it once in a while and run for 10 yards like he did against Cincinnati, but Buckner can run for 600 yards and 10 touchdowns. Yeah. The, the quad option is yeah. going to be the big, you know, hope if Notre Dame's offense, you know, hits its marks or overachieves or, how, you know, basically if the fan base watches the offense and be like, yeah, I like what I'm watching. I think it's going to be a lot of quad option from Tyler Buckner. Yeah. And in, in, in accordance with that, I, I, my, I think red zone, red zone offense, I think Notre Dame's going to be, Notre Dame should be difficult to stop in the red zone. And a lot of it is because of what Tyler Buckner can do a veteran offensive line or an improving offensive line. You got a, you've got a great tight end. You've got a freshman receiver now with size. I think the biggest difference, although they did improve in the red zone last year from the previous year is that the other thing, I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think you're going to see with a Tyler Buckner led offense, you're going to see more interceptions than Conan book through. Yeah, that's natural, but you also see more big plays. So that's than uh than book had. NJL Irish. I'll go in order here. Uh, I'll read them off to you guys. What is one thing you expect each position coach and coordinator to bring differently than their predecessor? We'll start running back McCullough versus Lance Taylor. I, I just, I, there's just, he is not that Taylor didn't emphasize it, but McCullough is, is all about between the tackles mm -hmm. and hitting it up in there and not dancing uh, which we saw with, with Kyron Williams and Logan yeah. Diggs, we saw a lot of dancing and hesitating. And I'm not saying that that's bad because that's a modern day approach to running the football. But I think with McCullough, it's going to be a greater emphasis on just pounding it up in there. I'm gonna I enjoyed Kyron Williams cutting it back against North Carolina. No, I agree. I, I totally agree. But you, less so Diggs standing there looking for a hole that didn't materialize against Oklahoma State. Right? Yeah, that wasn't as good. I'm going to lob Pete a softball here on the next one. Stucky versus Alexander. What's the difference? Uh, recruiting, recruiting would be the difference. Uh, well, and, and I think and we're already seeing that. I have nothing else. Energy, to add. energy on the yeah. football field. Right, it, right. That's a good call, Tim. A significant, significant difference. Uh, tight end is tougher, probably. Uh, Parker versus McNulty. We'll tell really you next lose. year where the tight end's yeah, gone. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to say there. I'm not really you sure. What I mean, to you say. lose the sort of like advisor role for Reese yeah. that McNulty had. Um, so I, I, I think Parker's a good coach, 
but uh, I think Reese and McNulty just sort of saw the game the same way and like could finish each other's sentences. Right. Um, right. So that's that's a hard thing to replace. Yeah, I don't I don't think we know Jared Parker well enough to speculate too much. I don't. I, we had one opportunity to visit with him, but I, I don't think that I can throw anything out there. He stand. Okay, Pete, you just said recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. I would say technique, technique, technique with he stand. Not, not you saying it. It's everybody that's ever yeah. played for or had a son that's played for either one of them. Technique, technique, yeah. technique. Played for them right now, even. Yep. Uh, uh, well, yeah. That's we can't say that enough. Not, not hard to get that feedback when you ask around uh, some of the current offensive line. It might be a bigger disparity than recruiting between Stucky and Alexander. Actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- this one's going to help right now. <laughs> That's true, too. That's a nice thing. Uh, defensive coordinator, Golden Freeman. This is a great one. Think about that. Because it's also uh, linebackers yeah. coach. Wow, that's an that's yeah. A good one. I mean, I just you, you you just have to point to to Golden's experience in the NFL. I know a lot of the defensive players were talking in spring about you know there's there's more defense, but it's understandable. Not that Freeman mm-hmm. was lacking anything there necessarily, but with the background, the NFL a little bit more cutting edge. I think the way of looking at this is <laughs> Freeman installed most of it. And Golden has the um, benefit of smart veteran players where he can enhance it. So I hope Golden's early season defense looks a heck of a lot better than Marcus Freeman's early season defense did last year. We were surprised yeah, by that, that. Remember, that's yeah, a good. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. That I mean, Golden is especially with linebackers walking into like this is as good as it's gonna get. I mean, you've got like three very high football IQ players. And then you've got Maris Leafau, who's older, hasn't played a whole lot, but he brings something too. So it's like you're not – most years you don't have Jack Kaiser and J.D. Bertrand. You always have one of those kinds yeah. of guys, but rarely do you have two. And you have better players in front of them. That kind of yeah. helps them be good linebackers and too. In, I mean, in theory, you should have both of them next year too. So Right. Defensive line would be Al Washington and Mike Elston. I – I don't know if there's much of a difference to be, I don't know. Like, are the techniques going to be different? Whatever Mike Elston taught was pretty effective. I think it, I mean, I generally agree with you. I think it might be a little bit more. I think Elston was a little bit more. Don't make a, don't make a huge mistake. I, I think Not Washington's a little bit more get up field. Yeah. Yeah. And let, and, and let your linebackers, you know, clean up what you can't. Uh, does that lend itself to maybe a few more 20 yard runs? I, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, but I think Washington's a little bit more, a little bit more aggressive just in general. And finally, Tim Priester, Mason and Brian Polian. <laughs> well, I thought, well, why are you saying that? I thought Polian was because it's off the field. I mean, Polian did a good oh, job. Okay. I, thought, yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought Polian did it. Polian did, did a, a very solid job as yeah. Nordames. Uh, special teams coordinator you know you say special teams it encompasses so many things yeah there are a lot of things that can go wrong and for uh you know a special teams coordinator you're you're responsible for a lot including a kicker missing a kick which <laughs> exactly which is ridiculous so because you do. yeah as pete and i joked in the 2017 practice where polian went to talk to yoon after missing a 55 yarder off the left upright I think he's going to be okay. You know, <laughs> just maybe go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and go talk to somebody else that needs help yeah. in, your, in your crew because well, Justin, Yoon's going to figure however, this out. However, I mean, different story with when it's Josh Bryan and Blake groupie. Oh, I know no, now it's harder, you, much harder. Now. You have yeah. to, you have to be a special teams coach for the kicker 
yeah. can't just like, hey, go go work on your golf swing off to the side. So well, Blake, I don't know. It's on the Lou Groza Award watch list. So what? Well, oh, so everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. What could <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? But I, you know, I block kicks. I mean, Cincinnati right, right. tied for the yeah. national lead in block kicks last year. I mean, they won six. like what? They won three games on special teams last year. Yeah, that's hard to do. Yeah, it is. And he's got uh, he's got a bunch of talent from which to choose. So it'll be interesting. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't is is it an upgrade at every is every uh, new coach an upgrade? Yeah, it won't prove to be that way. I no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. Never that has. Far. <laughs> I don't know if it ever has anywhere. That's being realistic. Yeah. All right. Question from Pink Robots: When all is said and done, who will be the story of fall camp? And is it like other than Tyler Buckner? Yeah, other than Tyler Buckner, because that's the story of fall camp. Um, I'll I I don't know if he will be the story of fall camp. I but I'll I'll I've been on the Riley Mills hype train for a while, so I'll stay on that. And then took either Mills or Merriweather, and those are like the best. That's those are positive stories of fall camp. Yeah. I am There's very, obviously the alternative option as well. Very close to you. Mine is defensive line versus offensive line. Since the defensive line is a known, is the offensive line right there with them? Can we watch by the end of camp and say, wow, the offensive line just looks like they are actually able to handle one of the country's best defensive lines? That, that would be, be huge. that would be huge. <laughs> uh, and then I was going to say Merriweather, but I don't want to overhype the. Yeah, I think we. I, I think we'd all say that. I, you know. I, I think Brandon Joseph is going to look every bit as good as he is. Uh, I think, I think if indeed Eli Raritan is healthy and full go right from the beginning, which I, I realize in theory he is, I thought, I think he'll impress and I'll throw out Chris Smith at nose tackle. Nice one. I want to throw another one out there because he was the story of fall camp. The last time he was in fall camp, Maris Leofo. Probably be true. An that's an interesting story because I just don't know what kind of usage he's going to get. Like, he's, how he's, Bertrand is, I'm telling you, like, people at the beginning are kind of like, oh, Bertrand, because you're remembering Bertrand when who was playing with one arm um, and not the Bertrand that we saw last August, who was like, holy cow, God, this guy's around the ball all over the place. Because I think we're going to see that Bertrand again. I don't, I don't know what the rotation is going to be at linebacker. Um, so I think, yeah, we are kind of assuming we're assuming that Bertrand is going to share Mike with, uh, with Bauer. I wouldn't assume that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I want to tell you one thing. Bertrand's not going to be on the field instead of Maris Leofau in second and 12 or third and seven. Oh, that's true. No, so that I, I know that part's true. What's that? That's fine because yeah. Bertrand probably did something really good on first down. Right. I know, but I'm saying the, the usage of Maris Leofau is going, there is no doubt he is the key to that speed package that we saw. Yeah. We all, I think every camp is the same, like in one way or like, we want to see what is the, what's the third and long package look yeah. like? How creative can you get? Who do you bump inside? Who do you bring in? Like what's the secondary look like? So that, that all is going to be interesting. Did we mention Jaden Mickey as a guy that's going to be the talk of camp? I don't know that we actually said that name, but he has a possibility to do that. And I, you know what? A healthy Blake Fisher, I think, is going to show us the exact same thing. This yeah. is why, Tim, you that, that we saw in the spring when he first arrived. This is why I think your point is really good about the offensive line against the defensive line. I mean, I think I think Blake Fisher, I think Blake Fisher can handle just about any pass rusher there is. 
Yeah, that's be. It, I want to see the whole. I want to see that whole top five look as good as the top ten on the defensive was, line in some of our remember, some reviews. That was the story of last fall camp. It was like, what's wrong with Isaiah Foskey? Like Fisher's wrong with Isaiah Foskey. Yeah, yeah. Your audio is uh, kind of going in and out here on us, Pete. So just letting you uh, making aware of that as we go to the last question of the day, and that's from Play Like a Champ Seven. What's more likely, ten and two or eight and four, and what's the biggest factor for your decision? Basically, looking at a story idea for this, and it's ten and two because Marcus Freeman is walking into a really good culture. They're a ten and two culture, not an eight and four culture anymore. Other than that, I have to watch them play football, but it's a ten and two culture, not an eight and four culture. I would, yeah, I, I agree with all that. I think that um, you know, if this was a what's more likely eleven and one, nine and three, I would go nine and three. Right, but. Um, good point it feels like a 10 and 2 culture is a really good way to put it yeah and and talent wise this is a ten, more of a 10 to 2 team that is 8 four. Oh, i mean yeah. I, you know yeah. i realize that there are some pitfalls there but they're not going to i mean i'm confident to say they're not going to lose every every one of the perceived big games so that, yeah. that's what right or you know three i don't think they'll lose three of the four i don't either i don't either um and then i I feel like the culture can handle the other, like you, 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 this is where the Marcus Freeman question, what does he learn thing comes into play where you should be killing North Carolina or Boston college or Syracuse, but instead you're up 13 heading into the fourth quarter and they have the ball. Do you, do you end up not winning that game somehow? Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Where you just, that would be salted away if he knew exactly how he wanted the to game. Brian yeah. Kelly automatically put down for the last yeah. five years, every time. Yeah, P or uh, Tim, you say culture. I the, the the and I would just say the positive vibes coming out yeah. of, of this yeah. program. You know, I mean, eight to for Notre Dame to be eight and four. What what would the reasoning be? I, I mean, now uh, you I could, have, now you, you, could have, you could have a you could have a problem yeah. at quarterback, and yeah. and I realize that, but I think the talent level and the depth of this program is much more ten and two than it is eight and four. Oh yeah. Yeah, if you need me to get Experience. you to four, lose to Ohio State, um, lose a close one to Clemson, lose a close one to USC, and blow a game. That's all you're waiting for. Yeah, which like BYU, I'm not sure I would like, oh, they blew the BYU No, but you, yeah, you, you have to kind of blow a game, you know, like. Uh, but it's, yeah, but Tim Priester's point is right. Like, they're not going to lose. They're not going to 0-4 in the competitive game. No, but I could see, I definitely could see a struggle against Boston College in November. Definitely. Boston College, <laughs> I kind of forecast one actually because bit. they're they're difficult to throw the ball against, and you still have a young quarterback throwing a ball against them. And I could see a game, you know, Jerkovic's all hyped up. Jerkovic makes a play, the emotions swing a little bit. That game, just on the surface right now, um, concerns me a little bit as you look at it. That's it today for Irish Illustrated Insider. We will uh, the instant analysis and the instant analysis will come back into play here, beginning. Uh, this weekend when Notre Dame convenes for its first practice of the fall, Friday, August 5th. Thanks for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.